Good to be here with Brother Haman and the Haman family and uh, to be in this conference. I've prayed for it all week. I wanted to be here so bad. Not, not to, to make um, uh, any uh, a tribute of myself, but, but just to be here to receive and to have fellowship. Brother Dykes, thank you for the Word of God this morning. A lot of folks, um, a lot of folks in our world have uh, said some things uh, very derogatory about the, the true church, but I'm glad I'm in the church. I'm glad I know the, the real true God. Hallelujah. I'm glad about the message. I want to keep it straight. I want to keep it straight, and I want it to keep me straight. Glad to be here with our son-in-law, Brother Don Heyman, and uh, our daughter, Sister LaRonde, and grandchildren, and our youngest daughter, Allison Kelly, and our son-in-law, Sam Kelly. Amen. We have some precious son-in-laws in this church, and we've got some beautiful daughters in this church. <laughs> Pardon me, I just had to say it. <laughs> um, and I appreciate the way you take care of them. And I appreciate the fellowship that I have here and that I enjoy here with the Haman family. This is a great church. And I've already heard that this has been perhaps the best conference you've had. And, and I've missed it. I'm going to have to get it on tape. But I, I'm going I'm to make, uh, make an effort to get, make this day count and receiving everything I can. Thank you again, Brother Dykes, for the word talking to us about what was said in the book of Revelation. He that hath an ear, let him hear. Jesus, that was his ultimate address to the church. It was his last one. But I want to tell you, that ultimate address to the church is still the immediate answer. Aren't you glad that it is? I want to keep the message straight. I want it to keep me straight. You probably heard about this fellow who stopped, a traveling salesman, stopped at an old country store and started up into the, on the porch. A little boy was sitting there. A dog was laying there by him. And the man looked at the boy and said, uh, said, Sonny, does your dog bite? And he said, no, sir. The man proceeded to go into the store and that dog got up and caught a hold of his britchy leg and started just yanking on it. And he looked at the boy and said, boy, I thought you said your dog didn't bite. He said, mister, that's not my dog. <laughs> I appreciate men that'll preach and give us the message that'll help us stay straight. We don't get it mixed up. Hallelujah. This is no hour to be confused on the message. I'm glad for the church. I know some things that's right about the church. The founder's right. The foundation's right. The forum's right. The fellowship is right. And the future's right about this church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I have... I've been feeling the spirit of this conference at home. I'd catch myself when I was getting a few things finished up at home um, with tears coming up in my eyes and my spirit just kind of drifting off over to Denver because I knew something mighty was going on here. I want to carry you to the book of Daniel today and I know that I'm standing between you and Furs Cafeteria. <laughs> my, my. 
and uh, I will try to uh, uh, <clears throat> hasten along. Daniel chapter 6, if you'll go there with me. Daniel chapter 6, verse number 10. Look forward to the preaching of the Word tonight. Sorry I missed uh, the messages that have gone forth, and I intend to get the tapes. Daniel chapter 10, uh, chapter 6, verse 10. Would you look at it with me? Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled down upon his knees three times a day, and he prayed. And he gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. I'd like to look at verse 28, and uh, it's the close of that chapter. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus uh, the Persian. Now, it may not seem to hold a lot of uh, essence, that last verse, by just reading it by itself. And so Daniel prospered in the reign of King Darius. But when chapter 1 of the book of Daniel starts to open, we see Nebuchadnezzar as he goes down to Jerusalem and besieges Jerusalem. And then he brings back into captivity some people from the land of Jerusalem area. He had said to some leaders that were under him, I want you to search out some choice young men. I want you to find some that will be intelligent. I want you to find some filled with wisdom, very skillful young men. Nebuchadnezzar, what is your plan and intention? Well, we're going to carry them somewhere they don't want to go. But one thing you're going to do, Nebuchadnezzar, you're going to find out. You may carry these boys somewhere they don't want to go, but you'll never make them be something they don't want to be. Hallelujah. And when they brought these men, there are four men that stand out. And we call them Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Now that was not those three boys' names. They were changed. They changed their name. They changed their location. You see, there's something about it. When you place sacred people, spiritual people, in the midst of a secular world, these men were going to be placed in the kingdom of, of Babylon. And uh, Nebuchadnezzar had a plan for them. We're going to train them new languages. We're going to use their skills, but we're going to try our best to convert them into measures that they can be like us. Well, you may put them in the same category. You may place them in the kingdom. You may give them responsibilities. But Daniel started out at the very onset. He said, I want to tell you something. The man in charge over, the, over he and uh, the Hebrew boys. He said, when you bring the king's meat, there was a portion of the king's meat and also wine from the king's table that was to be served. The Bible says that Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's meat. So early at the time that though he was going to live as a captive in a foreign land, he determined that I'm purposing in my heart I will not eat like they eat. 
I will not drink what they drink. They may place me in a place I want, I don't want to be, but they're not going to make me become something that I don't want to become. And so an inside purpose becomes an outside practice. I'd put it in southern vernacular. That indeed let our Monday practice be in keeping with our Sunday profession. I'm glad today I'm speaking to people who don't only profess something on Sunday, they practice it on Monday. And not only on Monday, we practice it on Tuesday. And we practice it on Wednesday. And so Daniel purposed in his heart. He determined that an inside practice or inside purpose would become an outside practice. Well, there were some things that happened. And I'll just, I'll just kind of build this as quick as I can. And when Daniel was called upon on some occasions... Uh, to interpret dreams. Daniel wanted a little time. The old King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream and he forgot the dream. It, uh, it just left his mind and he called on his soothsayers and magicians. He called on his astrologers and all of his wise men and said, I want you to interpret my dream. And they said, well, if you'll tell us your dream, we'll interpret it. He said, I can't recall it. And if you cannot recall this dream, I'm going to execute every one of you. Well, when that word got around, Daniel stepped up to talk to the man in charge. He said, I'd like to speak to the king. And when he went before the king, he said, King, if you'll give me a little time. And well, I'll just quickly give you the story there. He had a little time to spend before God and God gave him not only the interpretation, but he gave him the dream. He saved the life of all of those soothsayers and all of those magicians and all of those smart and, and wise men of Babylon. He saved their lives. Well, you would have thought that those men would have developed a gratitude and a camaraderie that there would never be a time they'd place their finger upon this man nor even say a thing against this man. But as surely as we live in a world that is still a, sac a secular world and we're lifting up the sacred, there's going to be some friction. We can't live our life without conflict. We can't live our life free from trouble. We can't live our life free from pressure. In this book, if you've ever read the stories about peer pressure and persecution, it's in this book. But if you want to read what happens to men who stand up for God, when pressure comes from without and prayer comes from within, power comes from above. Did you hear me, saints of God? I said when pressure comes from without and when indeed prayer comes from within, power comes from above. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And in these chapters in Daniel, you'll read it over and over again. They put the pressure on. We can't live our life free from conflict. We can't live our life free from trouble. Because in Job's words, it said man is born of woman and is here but a few days and is full of trouble. We can't live our life free from conflict, but we can live our life free from defeat. 
We can't live our life in this earth free from disappointments. We're going to have disappointments. It'll come like a bee sting. It'll come like a, a tornado that all of a sudden everything seems so placid and so peaceful and then you just, boom, there it is. You can't live your life free. You can't live your life free from pain and trouble. But I tell you what you can. You can live your life free from defeat and you can live your life free from discouragement. Now, disappointments is a reality of life. We're going to get disappointed. But I'm telling you what, that is a reality of life that's going to happen. But I want to tell you, you can, you can live your life free from discouragement. That's a reaction of life. That's a reaction of life. I refuse to let myself get discouraged. I can't help it when I get disappointed, but I'll get over it. But I'm going to stop the door and bar it and not let disappointment come, not let discouragement come in. What I'd like to preach to you for a little while this afternoon, and I'll be conscious of time. I, I really will because I'm, I'm, I'll be hungry too when that time comes. But I'd like to talk to you about the subject that's been burning in my spirit. I feel like the Lord gave me several confirmations. Even while Brother Dax was preaching this morning, the Lord just let me know that's, that's what I wanted you to speak. And here, here's what I want to talk to us about for a little while. Don't let, don't let the friction of earth stop your fellowship with heaven. A missionary told a story that he came back to his little cottage in the missionary work where he was. And when he opened the door or pulled back uh, uh, the opening area and walked, started to walk in, he saw a huge python in there. He went back to his vehicle and got his pistol, only had one shot. And he went back to the doorway and aimed at the head of that python. And he shot that uh, python and made a deadly shot. But he stepped back out and uh, he could hear the tumbling and the knocking and the hitting and everything that seemed like it was just being torn apart. Finally, it became silent. And he walked in the door and he looked and sure enough, the python is dead. But he destroyed everything in that room. He tore up everything. And I'm going to tell you, it carries me back in mind when I was reading that in a devotional time several weeks ago, that many years ago, old Satan was mortally wounded by the Lord Jesus Christ. But I'm going to tell you something. He has been floundering and trying to destroy everything he can destroy. He's trying to destroy every home, every young person, every preacher, every church. He, the Bible tells us, in the book of Revelation, in chapter 12, he said that the Bible calls him the old serpent, calls him the old dragon, calls him the devil and Satan, the accuser of the brethren. And it says he's come down with great wrath. 
with great wrath. Somebody say great wrath. Because he knows his time is short. But before that verse, it says they overcame him by the word of their testimony. By the blood of the Lamb, first of all. Gotta have a covering. We gotta have a covering. And it can't be just a cheap cross. It's gotta be the pure blood of Jesus Christ. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of the testimony. Brother Haman, I've become convinced that over and over, we're going to have some tests on our hands, some trials on our hands. But ministering brethren and saints of God, when we have a test on our hands, let's keep a testimony in our heart. For when we've got a test on our hand, somebody said, Brother Ellard, you don't know what kind of test I've got on my hands, what kind of trial I've got on my hands. My suggestion is, if you've got a trial on your hands, keep a testimony in your heart. Hallelujah. And they, the Bible says, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. That's the covering. By the word of their testimony. That's their covenant. And that they love not their life unto death. That's the commitment they have to God's cause. Now, the pressure was put on in this particular situation in Daniel chapter 6. The Bible says that those that Darius... Now, Daniel has lived through two two, uh, rulers. It was Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar. He is now under the third ruler of Babylon a world empire. And now the second world empire, the Medes and Persians, has taken over. And the scripture says that this king appointed 120 princes to be over his kingdom. And over those 120, he appointed three presidents to be over them. And of those three presidents, he placed Daniel as number one. Well, as surely as you read the story there, that those that worked with him every day, those that labored in the kingdom with him every day, got to feeling some things about him. They tried to find fault with his administration, but they couldn't because the Bible says he had an excellent spirit. But an excellent spirit doesn't stop somebody from having an ugly spirit. And the Lord spoke something to me the other day and and just kind of put it in these words in my heart. One of the things Daniel was able to do that these men who were striving to get under his skin the way he kept them from getting under his skin, he kept God in his heart. Now I'll put it in Mississippi talk. The way you can keep folks from getting under your hide is keep God in your heart. Hallelujah. So Daniel is approached at a time they start having meetings without him. Did you hear me now? They started having some meetings without him. And he's the head man. But they started talking about how to get rid of him, how to hurt him, how to drive him off, how to, how to get him out of the way. And finally, it came to a point that they knew they couldn't do it according to the laws. And if we're going to find fault in Daniel, it's going to have to be with the laws of his God. And so they wrote a decree. And they took it to the king and got him to sign it. Oh, king, 
Would you allow us to introduce a new law that would be good for the kingdom? May it be said that there would be no one who would make a petition of God or a man for 30 days except it be made to you. Sounds good. And he started signing it. Well, the very thing they wanted to do was to trap Daniel and hurt him. The very thing they wanted to do was get him out of the way. Get rid of him. But the Bible says, and when Daniel knew that the writings were signed, what did he do? Did he go home and think for a while about those who were trying to put him down? No, he went home and talked to the one who could lift him up. Now, brothers and sisters, the first thing Daniel did, he shows us great wisdom. In the fact, the first thing he did was he prayed. That's great wisdom. That's great wisdom. The first thing he did, he didn't go home and pout about it. He went home and prayed about it. And when he prayed, and when he prayed, you see, many things were involved. Not only did Daniel show us great wisdom that when the pressures peer pressure comes when the trials come when the tests come when it really presses in upon us that's no time to quit coming to church that's no time to quit praying that's no time to hang it up that's the time to go home and talk to God about it like you've never talked to him before great wisdom he prayed but also great courage he shows us because he kind of weighs it all out right now. Here it is that they have a law, and I've always prayed with my windows open. Now shall I change it now? Shall I change it now? I don't know, it probably wouldn't hurt anything. God probably would not cast me aside if I just went in there and lowered the windows just a little bit and put them down. But Daniel made a decision that he was going to show us in a generation we're living in that when the pressures from the world and the frictions of earth come, don't give up your fellowship with heaven. Hallelujah. Don't let the friction of earth stop your fellowship with heaven. He could have been hurt to the bone about the feelings of those he had worked with and now they don't have enough kindness in them to care whether he's thrown to the lions. In fact, they made it a law that he would be. But Daniel decided he would exemplify great courage in the fact he got to thinking perhaps my testimony is on the line. My testimony is on the line. I'll tell you, when David went to the battlefield that day carrying bread and cheese from his father to give it to his brethren and to give it to the captains, he did not know that he was going to meet one of the biggest tests of his life. He didn't know that he was going to step into one of the biggest trials that he would ever face. But it wasn't what David had in his hand that was the most important thing. It was what David had in his heart. Hallelujah. And when he stepped out there, the reason that giant stood on the battlefield and paraded across there shouting out and things went unchanged because he went unchallenged. Now David had some options. He wasn't a soldier. 
He didn't have to get involved in that fight. He could have delivered the bread and went home to daddy. David had an option. I could just take this bread. That's all I've been assigned to do. Give it to my brethren. Leave the battle up to them and go home. Now David had another option. He could have. He could have become a prisoner to a problem like they were. They had heard a giant and they'd heard so much talk about man and what he could do. They forgot about what God could do. And here it was. They were a prisoner to their own problem. But David decided, I'm not going to be a prisoner to this problem. And David could have reacted as they reacted and hid in fear. But instead of reacting to fear, he responded in faith. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord and let's praise the Lord. David didn't react in fear. He responded in faith. Hallelujah. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to tell you something. There were two things that stand out in David that day. He gave, first of all, he gave a testimony as to what God had done in the past. Hallelujah. He said, the God that delivered me, the God that delivered me from the paw of the bear and the paw of the lion, he gave a testimony for what God had done in the past and he let them know, I've got a trust for what God can do in the present. If you've got a testimony for what God has done, you've got a trust for what God can do. Hallelujah. He's still God. I can hear my old mother pray and I can hear her say, God, you haven't lost a bit of your power. And after a while, she would drift off into singing in tongues. And I have been taught that all my life. God hadn't lost any of his power. Hallelujah. David, David had two things there. And that was when he was met with a test on his hands, a trial on his hands. He had a testimony in his heart. Oh, Job, I don't think there would be anybody sitting in this building that faced what Job faced and had to go through what Job went through. But I'm going to tell you something. The test that he faced and that was on his hands, Job said, he may slay me. He may slay me. But everybody needs to hear my testimony. I'm still going to trust him. Hallelujah. Oh, glory. He may slay me, but I'm going to trust him. When you meet the trials of life, when the frictions and pressures come against you, meet those trials with a testimony in your heart. Glory. Somebody shout amen. So David... So David shows us many things that day. He overcame giant after giant after giant. And you see, those who wouldn't even fight, we won't be critical of them at this point. They just needed somebody to stand out there and say, I got a testimony for what God has done. You know, uh, we used to have a lot of testimony services and, and uh, we don't have them that much anymore. But the other night we happened to have some testimonies and it just was one of those times it was ordained of God. And that which was coming forth was, was not giving the devil any credit at all. It was giving God glory for everything he was doing. 
And brothers and sisters, if you hang on to your testimony in your heart, you can handle the trials on your hands. Amen. God will take you through. God will take you through. Hallelujah. So David looked at his options. And when they started talking about, have you seen this man? David started talking about, they said, he's defying the armies of Israel. But David said, he's defying the armies of the living God. He changed the emphasis. It wasn't on man, it was on God. Hallelujah. He pulled that testimony from the past and he said, I've got a trust for what God will do in the present. Hallelujah. So I move on in relationship to Daniel. Daniel shows us courage that he's not going to risk his testimony at the, at the pressures of those who just want to get him out of the way. I don't know what will become of it, but Daniel felt in his heart, I'm going to keep my window open. This is the way I've always been, and I'm not changing. The world's changing, but the church has got to hold on to the unchanging God. He shows us great courage. But David, uh, Daniel shows us great faith. Great faith in that he had his windows toward Jerusalem. Though he had been snatched from his homeland, though he did not know whether he would ever return, he had a faith that he would. And he still had his windows toward Jerusalem. That's my home. That's my upbringing. That's where I've come from. I'm glad to tell you today that when the friction of earth comes against us, we're not going to lose our fellowship with heaven. We're going to keep our windows toward the new Jerusalem. We're going home. Old Daniel was letting us know one day, Brother Ballestero, I'm going home. I'm going back to Jerusalem. And this church, the reason we live the way we live, it's because one day we're going home. One day we're going home. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckoned me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Something comes to me in the spirit right now. When God's people get into a position that it seems like that there's just absolutely no way. How many times have you read that God sent his angel? It was in this story that God sent his angel. They wanted to hurt Daniel. They wanted to harm him. But the Bible says God sent his angel. And Daniel told the king the next morning, he said, I don't have any hurt. I, I'm, I'm not hurt. I'm not hurt because I wouldn't let the friction of earth stop my fellowship with heaven. Yeah. Hallelujah. He shows us great faith that he kept his eyes toward the truth, toward Jerusalem living in a heathen land, living in a land that didn't respect or revere God. He wouldn't change his way of what he, he had as a diet. He wouldn't drink the meat from, or drink the, the, the wine from the king's table or eat the meat. He decided, no, no, I'm not gonna do that. There's just no other way. Just earlier than this, the three Hebrew boys stood up and said, we're not bowing down 
We're not bowing down. Well, also that story shows us that there was, there was, the old king looked in and said, didn't I throw, didn't we throw three in? Well, yes, king. And didn't we throw them in bound? Oh, yes, king. Sometimes we get to counting the odds that are against us. I'm going to tell you, God can take one man by the name of Samson with his hands tied behind him, with his hands tied behind him, and he can face 1,000 Philistines and the Spirit of the Holy Ghost come upon him, the Spirit of God come upon him with his hands tied behind him. He can break them and whip all 1,000 with the jawbone of a donkey. Don't start talking about what's against you. Start talking about what's for you. Start talking about what God can do. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, Daniel not only shows us great faith, Daniel shows us also that in this particular place in the scripture, he shows us great perseverance. Now, I didn't get in this to stop. I didn't get in this to quit. I didn't give in, get in this to say, well, it's just getting too rough. I just don't think I can handle it. He shows us perseverance. He prayed not only one time a day, not only two times a day, but he prayed three times a day. He prayed three times a day. Hallelujah. So we see that not only, not only does Daniel show us a life of great wisdom and a life of great courage and great faith, but he shows us persistence in that he prayed three times a day. But he also shows us something else, and that's humility. Oh, but Daniel, how can you bow down and be humble at this point when you have been done so wrong? Daniel, when, when in the kingdom, you're the number one man under the king, and everybody came against you. It was all 120, the other two presidents. And when you read the story, it said some others were, were governors and counselors. I don't know how many others came, but Daniel decided, I'm not going to let the friction of earth stop my fellowship with heaven. Hallelujah. And his humility was that he went into that house and he bowed down. Oh, hallelujah. He bowed down. Brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, that still works. That still works. And then he shows us, and I'll share this last thing from his life. He shows us not only a spirit of humility, but he shows us a spirit of gratitude. Now, Daniel, what have you got to thank God for? They put pressure on you and they put uh, persecution on you. Well, I'm going to tell you what he had to, to be thankful for. He had a God that could knock all of them winding. He had a God that could shut the lion's mouth. And they who put him in, you see, this was not a doorway that was a, a dead end street. This was a doorway of deliverance. <laughs> I said, this was not a dead-end street for Daniel. It was a door of deliverance. Oh, praise the Lord. So he, he shows us his gratitude. He bows down and he gives thanks unto the Lord. Is it any wonder that the last verse, it's after he comes out of the lion's den, after he's not harmed, he's not hurt, that the Bible says he prospered in the rain. <laughs> oh, what a chapter where peer pressure comes. What a chapter where persecution comes. 
But in the midst of persecution, in the midst of peer pressure, there's a power from God and there's triumph. There was threat after threat. But oh, thank God for an example back in the olden days that still rings true today. David and his men were headed home one day and David had gathered to, to him or men had gathered to him that were men that were discontented. They were in debt. They were, uh, they were just stragglers. They really didn't amount to much. But David had made a mighty group of soldiers out of these men, 600 of them. They were coming home one day to Ziglag. And as they got closer and closer, something didn't feel right. Something didn't look right. There was a curl of smoke going up. And as they got closer, men started running frantically. And where it used to be the little cottage, it's gone, it's burned. There are no children here. There are no daughters here. There's no, nothing left here. Everything has been taken. The Bible says they wept until they had no more power within them to weep because of their losses and because of what was taken away. But watch what happens. At that moment... David being the leader that he was, David being the, the man who had led them to become victorious when they were defeated men. He suffered the same thing they suffered. Here he was, uh, his wife was taken, his children were gone, his possessions were gone by the, by, by the Amalekites, and they turned and spake of stoning him. What a crushing blow. What a friction. <laughs> what, what conflict, what a grinding. What a hardship. But now David practiced something that I think we ought to all get a hold of. The Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord. The first step was encourage himself in the Lord. How did you do it, David? I think he went back to the testimonies. He had those testimonies. And he had a trust. A testimonies for the past and a trust for the present. I think it was that which carried him all the way through. And here at the toughest time of his life, he reaches out to encourage himself in the Lord. And then the Bible says he inquired of the Lord. I'm not going to let the friction of earth stop my fellowship with heaven. I'm still going to have some time with God. And he said, God, shall I pursue after this troop or shall I stay here and the Lord said, pursue for without fail, you're going to recover all. David got up. Now he's got a task on his hand. He's, he's got to lead men that just got through speaking out of their mouth. They were going to stone him to death. He hadn't got anybody else, so he's going to have to step forth. And he's going to have to convince them, I have heard from God. And we can't leave our children over there. We can't let them stay over there. The longer they are there, the more influence will be upon them. The longer they are there, it could be that somebody will ravage their life and there's no telling what will happen. And David let them know, men, get up, let's go. God spoke to me and said, follow them for without fail, you're going to recover all. And so they started out. They had just gotten in and from battling. 200 of those, those men were so weary they couldn't go any further and they stopped at the brook and David left them in charge of the items and things they had and they went on. They didn't go very far until they came across a man that was laying in a field and that man was an Egyptian man and he was very sick. 
Now, sometimes God will uh, give us an assurity of what he's going to allow us to take back. But still in the process of us doing that, God will want us to see, wants to see what we'll do with that one soul laying out there. And before they could get their real directions to the enemy's camp, they had to take time to minister to a dying man. And when they said to him, who are you? He said, I am an Egyptian. And four days ago, I fell sick and my master left me here. And he said, we invaded the land to the south. And David said, can you lead me to this troop? He said, I could lead you to this troop if you will promise me you won't take my life nor deliver me back into the hands of my former uh, leader. Uh, I don't... Uh, I don't want to go back into his hand. Aren't you glad you're not being delivered back in the hands of your former <laughs> leader? I'm talking about the old devil, but God Almighty is your new director. Well, they ministered to that man. He gave them directions. They recovered all because David decided, I'm not going to let the friction of earth stop my fellowship with heaven. Now they're coming back. They recovered everything. What a rejoicing. What a reunion. Oh, my little girl's okay. Son, you're all right. I'm okay, Dad. And everybody's happy. Not only did they bring their spoils or their, their belongings back, but they got the spoils from the Amalekites. And as they got closer and closer, something started happening in the camp. Somebody said, we're not going to give to those 200 that didn't go help us. We're not going to give them anything of the spoils. And David, they said, we will give them their children and what belongs to them, but that and that alone. Nothing else that we received as spoils are we going to share. And David said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's not going to happen in this camp. They stayed here and watched over some things while we valiantly went out there. Some of our precious ones are overseas battling over there gathering the harvest, some are staying home, but I'm going to tell you something, we're all doing the good work of God, hallelujah, hallelujah, and David said that can't happen in this camp, we're not going to let the friction of earth stop our fellowship with heaven, they're going to get as much as we get, glory, I got to hurry, I got to hurry, I do want to take about five more minutes, I'd like to stop by just for a moment, at the Apostolic Church. In Acts chapter 3, there's the story of Peter and John who went to, to the temple to pray. And that lame man was lifted up and healed that day. And the Bible says he went on into the temple leaping and praising God. Well, as a result of what happened, they wanted to make Peter and John a God. But Peter said, oh no, we're men just like you are. Now one thing about it, Peter knew one thing for sure. When, when it comes time for us to do this, the experience that happened here was God. The explanation is ours. Now, we're going to give the explanation, but we dare not take the credit. Hallelujah. I appreciate my ministering brethren for the Holy Ghost anointing that comes down. It's not ours, but it's God and He gives it. Well, anyway... After a while, they, they took them into the council and they threatened them that you can't teach in that name anymore. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go. 
Boy, you're talking about friction. Now, now, why would this happen to us? Peter and John might say, all we were doing was helping someone out that was by the roadside out there. But here it was. The friction of earth does not go stop their fellowship with heaven. They start looking for their own company. And they went to their own company. And they had a prayer meeting. And they said, Lord, behold their threatenings. Behold their threatenings. Give us boldness that we may declare thy word stronger than ever before. And so when they had prayed, when they had prayed, the place where they was, where, where it was assembled, was shaken. It was shaken. And the Bible says, and they all spake with tongues. Now, I could bring Job into this picture that, that when the friction came, those, you can't live your life free from criticism. But you can live your life free from the fear of criticism. You can't live your life free from the battle or the struggle, but you can live your life free from defeat. Nehemiah was a great builder, but he was criticized. But he learned to live free from the fear of criticism. And so my message today is that don't let the friction of earth stop your fellowship with heaven. And these men began to pray, and the place was shaken. We could visit Paul and Silas there in the jail, whose backs were bleeding, whose Feet were in stocks. And yet, have you ever stopped to think about it? That the power God puts in our singing? That just our simple songs can shake a jailhouse? <laughs> that the sandals of the priest in the Old Testament walking into Jordan rolled them back? Well, it wasn't their sandals, but it was the obedience to the Word of God. Oh, the power and the obedience. So P Peter, Paul, and Silas began to pray and sing praises because they weren't going to let the friction. I've seen folks lose, lose the victory over a $100 dent in a car. Oh, my. I got to hurry and close now for sure. <laughs> I did say I wanted five more minutes, and I got two more of that, okay? <laughs> two more. Glory. In the book of Revelation, I think, I believe I'm sure that John was there on Pentecost. I, I believe I'm sure he was a church establisher. He was one of the strongest preachers of the New Testament times. My, what a preacher he was. But they got so upset at his preaching, they boarded him on a boat, took him out to an island, put him off, left him there. And said, buddy, that's the way it's going to be. He said, I was on the island of Patmos for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Now, he had some friction and pressures to come. But that man said, I, I've got something. I may have a trial on my hands. i got a testimony in my heart. There was no Hammond organ there. There was no conference group that was gathered there. It was just John. <laughs> But the Bible says he got in the Spirit. He said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Hallelujah. God is so good. 
He is so good. When Elijah needed something very special from God, he stood on Mount Carmel and, and, and declared God to be God and then ran from Jezebel and God knew what he needed. He sent an angel, ministered to him. First of all, ministered to him in his emotions. The man wanted to die. Lord ministered to his physical needs and the angel gave him bread and water. He ministered to him in putting a, a sleep upon him, letting him sleep. Then he ministered to him spiritually and saying, you want to resign and I want you to be reassured that I'm still going to use you and I'm going to reassign you. I don't know. Sometimes I think angels have come into... seen them but I do believe they come and in the book of Revelation the Lord himself came he came to that island and he announced to him I'm I'm the Alpha and the Omega oh what a revelation comes from the word but John because he wouldn't let the frictions of earth stop his fellowship with heaven the Lord Jesus Christ reached down and touched him with his right hand somebody say amen so the Word of God brings revelation, but the touch of God brings reality. Oh my, he needed a touch. How many times, pastors, we need a touch. We need a touch from the Lord. And my, my words again to you is just, don't let the friction of earth stop your fellowship with heaven. Heaven's too true, we're so close. Don't let it stop you now. We're just about there. God bless you. Let's stand together and thank the Lord for His Word this afternoon. Praise Him together. Come on, let's worship the Lord for visiting this place this afternoon. Thank you, Lord, for Your presence. Thank You for Your visitation, Lord, upon us. Thank You, Lord, for speaking today. Oh, we love You, Jesus. Praise You, Jesus. Glorify You, Jesus. Hallelujah. You're gonna make it. You're gonna make it. You've got what it takes to win. You're gonna make it. You're gonna make it. As long as you and Jesus stay friends. And as long as you get the right key, that'll help out too. Well, I like the words of that chorus. It goes right along with the message. As long as we stay friends with Jesus, we're going to make it. Hallelujah. Amen. Fellowship with Jesus. Friendship divine. Oh, what blessed, sweet communion. Jesus is a friend of mine. Hallelujah. Thank you, Brother Ellard, for the wonderful word of the Lord today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, my, 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 my. We're building up for a wonderful outpouring and demonstration of the Holy Ghost in the service tonight. 
Amen. Looking forward to that time. 6.45, prayer will begin in the sanctuary. About 7.15, we'll kick it off with youth chorale singing.